A reading from the Gospel of Luke. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you the words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The word of the Lord. Let me say right up front that today's sermon about the end of time has nothing to do with the outcome of this week's election. (laughs) In fact, it was written long before. Neither does the sermon have anything to do with whether or not you should fill out pledge cards for 2017 given how little we really know, according to Jesus, when the end might come. Fill those cards out for the full 12 months. (laughs) Writing the end is near on your pledge card will only earn you a mean visit from your pastor. That being said, and now the end. Jesus, look at those stones. That's what the disciples said when they saw the massive temple in Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples had spent most of their ministry out in the hinterlands of Galilee. No big buildings there. But now at last they come into Jerusalem, the capital city, the center of national aspiration and hope. Jesus' friends are impressed. Astonished. 
Look at those stones, they said. Stones as big as these. A building so great as this, surely it will, it will last forever. I have seen those stones, and they, they are indeed enormous. And Jesus says to his overly impressed disciples, I tell you, this whole building will be melted down. One stone will not be left upon another. All of this is passing away. And sure enough, a short 40 years later, it was just a pile of rubble. You go to Jerusalem today and all you see is just a pile of stones, a bunch of Stones all in a jumble. The western wall, people line up to pray, to weep at the western wall, at all that was lost. The temple is no more. This building we're in is impressive from the outside, is it not? And it's impressive from the inside. Used to have people come up and say, my, that's a beautiful building. We had two previous buildings. They burned down, of course. And so that was built, this big, massive brick structure on this corner. A number of years ago, we were renewing our insurance policies for all the buildings on the campus. And I was walking with the insurance man through the buildings. And we came into this building, and he looked around, and he looked up. He asked me, he said, do you have earthquake insurance? I said, I don't know. Why would I know that? He said, well, let me tell you, you don't want to be in this building if an earthquake comes. It'll be as flat as a pancake. So what is all this strange talk from Jesus about? Jesus is reminding us about the end, our finitude, that we have limits. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues and heavenly portents and great signs from heaven. There is a big word for this in the Bible. It's called apocalyptic. It's talk about the end. The end of the world. The end of things as we know them. Jesus told his disciples that the great stones of the temple were about to be reduced to just so much rubble. Our mainline church doesn't care much for talk like this. We leave that apocalyptic kind of thing to fringe groups in storefront churches out on the edge of town. We don't care much for talk about ominous signs from the sky, buildings being ripped off their foundations, cosmic meltdowns. On this Sunday, everything seems pretty much in place, fixed forever fixed. We're making progress. We have things under control. And 
And so we don't listen much to Jesus' talk about catastrophe and cataclysm. People like me with nice stock portfolios and a large home, we don't enjoy being told that God is going to get us all in the end. After the recent hurricane, I was talking with a friend who had had to have a roof put on his house. He was complaining about the expense of it all, the hassle of it all. I asked him how it went, and he said he, he, he got his roofer, and he said to his roofer, he said, this time I want quality shingles, something that will last. And the roofer said, we, I, I can guarantee you that these shingles will last 30 years. And the man was pleased. And then the roofer added, believe me, these shingles will be on this roof long after you're gone. (laughs) And my friend said, you know, it does something to you to know that an asphalt shingle is more immortal than you are. (laughs) If a great, strong stone building will not endure... What hope is there for us? Paul says, if for this life only we have hoped, we are the most to be pitied. This life, this world, this nation, these stones are all terminal. Wherein is our hope then? After delivering his dire words about the future of temple architecture, Jesus says to his disciples, Look up. Your redemption is drawing near. Look up. We are modern people who believe that we have things in our control. We don't need redemption because we have so much within our hands. There's nothing we cannot do, nothing we cannot fix or make to last longer, at least 30 years. The the limits of human life, we think, just don't apply to us. We have within our hands the ability to save ourselves. Over at the hospital, a patient I visited told me that his doctor is always telling him that there is more that he can do. And he said to me, I know better than that. Such are the fantasies of our world. Perhaps our redemption begins with a simple admission that we need redemption. Perhaps the source of our hope begins in admitting that we are without hope. We have a Lord who just loves to raise the dead. A Lord who never grows weary of reaching out to those that other people have forgotten. A Lord who isn't stumped by big stones and death. The good news is that this is the best time 
for us to bear testimony to the Lordship of Christ. Because we do not hope only for this life. She told me, I have been forced to go on a journey I didn't want to take. She had been engaged in a terrible struggle with cancer. And she said, and yet, this, the worst time of my life, has also been the best time of my life. I said, how is that? She said, I am closer to God than I've ever been. Because so many things that I have leaned on have been taken away from me. I have been forced to lean on Jesus. And I have found him trustworthy and true. What we perceive as chaos and destruction and life unglued, Jesus sees as an opportunity. The exact right time to tell the world about God. Jesus told his disciples that their distressing time was a time to bear witness. And what should we bear witness to? The choir sang about it from Isaiah. Isaiah 65 says that God has a big dream for us. I mean crazy big, unbelievably big. For I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall be not remembered, will come to mind, be glad and rejoice in what I am creating. The Christian hope is not a simple hope. It is not despair about the future, nor is it simple-minded optimism that somehow everything's just going to work out. Hope is born of the conviction that whatever the future holds, God holds the future. Jesus tells his disciples of a world where God is making a new heaven and a new earth. It's a dream, but that doesn't mean it's an unrealistic dream. It's no pie in the sky. And I tell you, our dream about what is coming is a lot more interesting to me than what merely is. The world wants to rob us of that, our dreams, and just tell us to adjust to how things are going, to make do. There was a young boy whose father was a horse trainer. And so the boy grew up loving everything about horses. The family had to move a lot following the racing season. The young boy was constantly changing schools throughout the year. In his senior year, he was asked by his teacher to write a paper about his dreams for the future. His paper described his dream of one day owning a 200-acre horse ranch with stables, a 4,000-square-foot home. He even drew a diagram of the property and the design of the house. The dream was that real to him. He turned the paper in, 
And two days later, it came back with an F on it. And the teacher said, what I want you to do is to rewrite this paper with a dream that's more realistic. So he went home and he asked his father what he should do. And his father said, son, it's your decision. The boy kept the paper for about a week and pondered what he should do. And then he returned it to his teacher after class one day. He walked up to his teacher and he said, here, handing her the paper, you can keep the F and I'll keep my dream. There can be no better work for each of us, each in our own way, each in our own place, than to safeguard the dream that God has for us. Only one thing survives in this world. Only one name lasts. Only one truth is secure. God rules the world. Nations do not. Look up. Your redemption is drawing near. World, you keep your chaos. And I'll keep my dream.